0: This episode is supported by Canyon Coffee, a Los Angeles-based roastery making coffee with exclusively single origin and certified organic beans. Check out their beautiful new shop in Echo Park, Los Angeles, serving delicious items such as fig leaf lattes and Lebanese toasts. If you haven't tried Canyon yet, order a fresh roasted bag at canyoncoffee.co and enter winesplaining at checkout for 15% off your first order.
1: I had everything against me. But when you have so much passion within yourself and you truly believe in yourself, I mean, you just keep pushing forward and, and keep keep going in that direction. Welcome
0: to Winesplaining, the podcast that peels back the layers of the women's journeys that are shaping the wine business. Wine. Denhan, and today we are talking with not one, but two winemakers that not only share a business together, but also a life. They both have their own skill sets, styles, and backgrounds that come together with a shared passion to make one beautiful thing, delicious wine. Tara Gomez is the first and only Native American winemaker hailing from the Chumash tribe, and Maria grew up in Spain with a winemaking background and has the story of coming to America as an immigrant with big goals and dreams. Both stories are filled with trials and tribulations and are quite interesting enough all on their own. But together, it's a story unlike any other, filled with well-fought battles, tons of true grit, a whole lot of love, and of course, wine. Wine Okay, ladies, before we dig into your business relationship together and, of course, your romantic love story, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of your separate beginnings and foundations, But first, there's something uh, I really need to know. How often are you guys roller skating around the winery together?
1: (laughs) not as often as we used to now but um every
2: chance we get i guess yeah covid definitely helped us roller skating a lot more than now that we're starting to be busy again
0: <laughs> do you put them on when you're doing like punch downs and you're
1: going for barrels well we used to do we used to put them on a lot like when we had a good sales day we would just skate around in, in a circle <laughs> and just like be all excited yeah. like yeah
0: <laughs> (laughs) I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. (laughs) Very inspiring. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into your story. Um, Tara, let's start with you. So I know you've been based in San Inez Valley for a while. Did you grow up there as well on the reservation?
1: Uh, actually, I did not. I did not grow up on the reservation. Um, I lived in Santa Maria, which is a nearby town, um, and my parents um, sent us off to private schooling for for us to get a better education. So, where did you go to private school? Uh, St. Joseph High School <laughs> is where I graduated out of, and before that was St. Mary's, which is where I went to grade school. Um, so, so yeah, just private schooling. Um, For us to get a better education.
0: Were your parents very involved with the tribe at that point in your life or not as much?
1: Yes, my my father was. um, He served on the business council for 19 years. um, But it wasn't really until college, um, when I went off to college, that he got more involved um, with the business committee. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. I've met your father and he is a really interesting and cool guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, I love him. He's, he's my hero. (laughs)
0: Beautiful. Uh, so being Native American and part of the Chumash tribe is of course a big part of your wine journey, which we'll touch on a bit more later, but what was that influence for you just growing up?
1: Wow, so, so uh, I tend to use balance a lot um, because that's really what I remembered growing up was learning to be in balance with myself and my surroundings. Uh, and then from there, uh, it was like living in harmony um, as well as balance. And so, so that was something that was always instilled in me like at an early age. And so I use that same approach when it comes to winemaking, um, trying to find balance in, in everything whether it's grape growing, winemaking, you know, a balance of the sugar, of the alcohol, of the acidity, of the flavor profile. So I'm always seeking um, to find balance in some sort, whether it's my own personal life or whether it's in winemaking. Balance. We all should achieve for more balance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So
0: at this point in Santa Maria, when you were growing up, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, I it was something I knew at a very young age, um, and it all started with a little Fisher-Price microscope that my parents got me when I was like four years old. And then from there, it just grew into chemistry sets. So science was always a part of me from the very beginning, early on. And it was something that I knew at such a young age in grade school that this was the direction I wanted to go. And it's not unusual to, to have something like that and to know so early on, but... For me, it just, it just stuck. I don't know. I just knew I wanted to do something different. I didn't want a desk job. And so I wanted to be out and about and exploring and be out with nature. And so for me, this was my connection. Science. Yeah. Uh,
0: So... (laughs) Did you? I mean, this is kind of wine country. Did you? Did your parents drink wine growing up? Were yeah, you around so, wine?
1: Right. So, so my parents were not in the wine industry, but they love tasting wine. And and like on weekends, we used to go um, driving up and down the central coast, uh, and they would go wine tasting. Uh, and back then, like it was it was normal for the kids to to go out in the winery and and go on the tours. And and so for me. That was like my instant connection um, to wanting to get into winemaking. I was walking in one of the tours and I saw the lab and I saw them in the white lab coats and doing titrations. And so it was the chemistry aspect of it that really captured my attention. And I knew from that point on that this was this was my calling. This is my direction. And so for people who don't know, what is titrations? Oh, so chemistry, so they were checking the acidity level, um, and so you you check it through doing titration and a color change, um, which would signify your endpoint. point, so and then you do some calculations and determine how much acidity is in the wine.
0: So nerdy stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when did actually becoming a winemaker, at what point in your life, did that become an option or a path that you decided to go down?
1: So it was in high school that I was really researching, um, you know, winemaking, wanting to study enology. And so um, there was back then there was only two schools that offered it. It was either Fresno State or UC Davis. But Fresno State had the hands on winemaking. They already had a winery on campus. And so for me learning, I just don't learn through books. I learn hands on. And so that hands on experience through Fresno State really helped me. I know that um, I learned
0: this a while back that the tribe helped pay for your education. Uh, what was the process
1: of that? Yeah, so my so my parents served on the education committee, and they saw the struggles that not only I was going through, but other tribal members um, trying to go off to college. And so they wanted to make it easier for us to be able to, you know, not have to go through so much hassle of all the financial aid all the paperwork that it that is involved with with you know starting a new school and so so they helped um, create a program um, of education for us and so yes with the financial support of my tribe my Shumash tribe i was able to go off to college and get my degree in anology and so And so from there, it was just paying it forward and coming back and wanting to teach them everything I learned. And so that's how Kita Wines was developed. Um, And it was my way of giving back to the tribe.
0: So was it an expectation when they paid for the education that you would work for them afterwards?
1: No, no, not not at all. Um, I mean, it was when when they purchased this um, this property, which was Camp Four, uh, a fourteen hundred acre parcel. There just happened to be a vineyard on it. And so, with a lot of convincing to the tribal members, it was just like, let's get into the wine industry. Like, we already have all of this. Like, why not want to get into it? Like, we're in the middle of wine country. It only makes sense. And so, after some serious convincing, they decided to go that route. But yeah. So, that's around
0: 2010.
1: What did that
0: look like? I'm just curious. Like, is there just this? room with this giant board members is it emails like what what are you doing to plead your case where are you
1: yeah so so yeah that was tough um it was first going to um the business committee and, and asking permission permission to want to step forward to the rest of the tribal council um, and so yeah it's just monthly meetings and me attending the meetings and trying to plead my case of wanting to get into the wine industry and and that we should all <laughs> go that route um, but it wasn't easy at all everybody thought it that it would be like an easy case to plead but no it wasn't
0: <laughs> so after took a lot
1: of convincing yeah after some <laughs>
0: some decent pleading <laughs> they they agreed to do kita
1: Yes, they agreed to do Kita. Um, Kita lasted for about 12 years. And unfortunately, they just recently decided to close the doors there um, for Kita. And so now I'm full time with, with our own wine brand, which is Kaminza Dreams.
0: Just to go back a little bit, because I just, you know, want to touch before we, we talk to Maria and her story and get really in-depth with Keita. Uh early on when you were starting, did you feel like there was a lot of politics involved uh, or, you know, did they give you some free range or did you kind of have to continue jumping through hoops even
1: after they agreed to do Kita? I think all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it, it was um, a lot of struggle um, it, and it was always having to prove myself. Um, not only to my tribe, but to everyone else um, there in the wine industry and especially there in Ceynes Valley. Um, Because I remember when I first started making that Cabernet Sauvignon, they pretty much told me to go back to Paso Robles because I couldn't really make a good Cabernet Sauvignon in Ceynes Valley. But I was set to prove them wrong, and I think I did. (laughs) (laughs) The joke is on them. I mean...
0: That kind of brings me to a question. I mean, what was it like being a young woman, queer and a Native American yeah. winemaker, making decisions, being in charge? I mean, just one of those things can present huge challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had everything against me. Um, but, you know, when you have so much passion within yourself and you truly believe in yourself, I mean, you just keep pushing forward and, and keep keep going in that direction. Um it didn't really stop me at all. Yeah, I hit roadblocks and everything, but but now that I stop and look back at it, it helped make me a stronger person.
0: Dealing with... Dealing the... with
1: all of the politics and everything that goes along with it. Um, so it really kind of helped shape and form me to be the person that I am now. Great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs>
0: often these... these these hardships are what creates greatness. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into uh, the story of the two of you, let's let's go to Maria and hear a little bit about your uh, upbringing and your start in life. So, uh, I know you grew up in Catalonia, Spain, and you wanted to work in wine at a very young age. I had read about. Uh, can you tell us more about that interest and where it came from?
2: Yeah, um, when I was a kid, I didn't really. I mean, I'm growing up in Spain or in in Catalonia like we have wine always surrounding us if you if you grew up in a small village like i did i i was from barcelona but my dad is from a small village in the pyrenees so all summer or weekends i would always be there and everybody would have like a vineyard at home there and and make wine for for themselves to drink at home so um that was the same at home for me and uh, we had this vineyard that my great grandfather planted and I remember always going and, uh, you know, harvesting and harvest and food stomping. And it was, like, super fun, like, um, family affair, right? And then we would make this wine that was horrible. It's still, like, pretty bad. But, <laughs> 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 but it didn't matter. Like, we would drink it all. And and there was always, like, wine for lunch, for breakfast, for dinner around me. So so I was always, like, really interested in wine. Um, and when I had to go to, to college, I really didn't know where... Which direction to take? But I knew I love wine, and I le- knew I love uh, science too. So I I went to study chemistry. That moment in Spain, you couldn't go to winemaking straight from college, from high school. You had to do uh, two years from another science degree. So I went to study chemistry, and um, I knew from early on when I started that chemistry that I didn't really want to be a chemist, like, all day in the lab or nothing like this. I'm a really uh, active person. I need to be outdoors. I, Tara says that I'm always breaking everything in the lab. I'm really bad with glass. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I knew that I was going to transfer to technology to pretty, pretty soon on my degree. Yeah. So I, I finished my degree on chemistry, though, and and then I transferred to technology. Um, studied technology, and yeah, that's that was like... Uh, all that I wanted, all that I wanted to do, it was just uh, totally different than just like chemistry, right? You have like the viticulture and you have the outdoors and um, I just like to be out in nature, so.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, you guys are probably around the same age, so you guys were
2: living these kind of like parallel
0: paths from across <laughs> the glo- globe. Yeah.
1: I'm a little bit old. yeah.
0: yeah, but, but but yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, you you're at anology school. Mm-hmm. You're you're studying what you love. Uh, what happens when you graduate? Is this when you go to the U.S. or yeah? When so Spain? when
2: when I was uh, still doing my degree, we we had to do this uh, thing that you, you have to do a harvest somewhere and and write about it, right? And you do your work about it. And um, I decided that I wanted to go abroad to do a harvest. Uh, go where? Away, Like not in Spain abroad to do a harvest. Uh, I was like, well, it's still young. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now that I don't have any worries. So uh, my thing was like, I didn't want to go to the southern hemisphere because I had to wait another six months. Uh, So I was like, okay, let's go somewhere in the northern hemisphere. France, Italy is too close to home. I can go anytime. Let's try. California. And nobody knew in my school how to send me to California. So, <laughs> no idea. So, I was like, okay, well, let me go online. And I remember going to California Wines, uh, the website of uh, California Wine Institute, and got all these emails from all these wineries. I met this Excel, and, and I just, like, sent this blast email to, I don't know, maybe like a hundred wineries. Mm-hmm. Two wineries replied to me. <laughs> 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 One but I remember, it was Pisoni uh, in Monterey, which uh, they say, like, hey, you want to come? Great. We don't know how to do your green card or your mm, visa, work visa or nothing. But if you figure it out, you can come. Super difficult to figure it out. Their winery was jailer Winery in Paso Robles. Uh-huh. Um, and they said, we already have a program with the students. Like, we bring students every year. Uh, contact these people. These people, they'll do your visa. You can come and work for us. And I was like, Paso Robles. I thought there was only Napa and Sonoma in California. Where is Paso Robles? <laughs> wow well, are i up going? <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I landed in Paso Robles at Jaylor Winery, and uh, I remember it was August, and uh, Tara was on vacation when I got there. But she was working there. She was the uh, analogist, lab manager there at Jaylor Winery. So, so this
0: was before Keda or before at the same Kida. Time? Mm-hmm. Oh, before, before Kita. That okay. was
2: in 2006. Okay. So that's how we met. I did my four month, four and a half month of, of harvest there. Um, we became friends. And then... Just friends? Just friends just at that friends. moment. <laughs> just friends at that moment. Uh, when I finished uh, the harvest, I went back to school. I graduated. And uh, I invited her over to visit me to Spain. And then from there, like, she, she started coming to Spain to visit me. And we started traveling together. Um... She would come every year, once a year. Once a year. um, (laughs) I would take her all over Europe. You know, we visited all these wine regions, Mm -hmm. France and Germany, and obviously all over Spain. And um, I got hired as a winemaker at a winery there in the Pyrenees. That was in 2008. And to me, it was just supposed to be harvest work, but the winemaker had personal issues and quit right before harvest. So I was lucky that I got the position as a winemaker, but then I needed help. (laughs) And my boss said, like, Do you know anybody that would like to come harvest? So I called Tara You want to go from Harris to Spain? Yeah. And she literally quit her job at Jailor why yeah. <laughs> Gave him my two-week and notice. And came I've to Spain. moved to Spain.
0: <laughs> so were you guys still just friends at this point? I mean, that yeah. like, seems a little, like, dramatic to...
1: We, we were just friends. Friend, yeah, <laughs> but... I, just, I just saw it as an opportunity to be able to go work abroad. Okay, and I know I needed that training because um, I really was interested in the old world winemaking, and and with all the travels that we've done back and forth, it was just like wow, like that was like that, like that's a nice opportunity you cannot say no to that. And so, and I was at J for almost ten years, so it was like time to kind of move on for me. And so, so yeah, I. Said yeah, heck yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, so she came and that's when our love story
1: starts. <laughs> she was
2: living with me then.
1: <laughs> Obviously
2: I invited her over and she, she came. She we stayed together at my home and stuff and we would travel every day one hour to work and back and forth and harvest and so.
0: So was it um, a slow burn or was it like as soon as Landed. It was like no,
1: it's, no, it's it was on. A, it was a slow burn. <laughs> it, it definitely took some time. Yeah, it did.
0: <laughs> was one of you a little bit more insistent than the other, or knew maybe before the other one that this was gonna happen? Hmm, I
2: don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, really talked about it, that. it. Just it just really happened. I remember we were one night super late at mm-hmm. night working. Yeah, um, and we were. We used to make a sweet wine or, like, uh, off-dry wine there, so we had to stop the sugars level, the fermentation at a certain amount of sugar. And it's not that we had that many uh, technology there besides, like, cult. Uh, So we had to wait like till three in the morning or whatever we were both at the winery drinking beers, just like talking <laughs> and and it was a hot summer night <laughs> and then we just kissed oh, no, it just <laughs> we, were,
1: we were actually sitting out on the lawn yeah wasn't your boss's <laughs> wife or girlfriend there with yeah, having was... drinks with us and then she walked away and then that <laughs> yeah, was not and wow.
2: here it starts, a the kiss, story. A happened. <laughs> so this
0: is like, this is like a, a lesbian wine romance novel. <laughs> totally. We were, it was late. Yeah. We were
1: yeah. in the winery. <laughs> the friend just, walked away. I had just finished cleaning the tank, so I was like completely wet.
2: <laughs> okay, Tara, on. Never mind. <laughs> no, I made my, my clothes.
1: Okay, we'll keep it here. Oh man, Uh,
0: this is um you know a podcast, so people can't see you guys. Oh, (laughs) they see you guys, but your face is rad, and it's it's pretty adorable. (laughs) Okay, so um, here we are. We're in the midst of uh, a wine lesbian romance novel. Uh, Now, from that moment on, from that kiss, you guys were then a couple.
2: Yeah, we were a couple. Um, But she had to go back to. California after? Yeah, and it was only like a month, I think, and then I had to come yeah. back. So we waited till the very end, I guess. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> then, of my trip. yeah, wow.
2: we were just like, I don't know, it was like six years long distance, <laughs> which is insane.
0: Wait, so, okay, you, where are we? Is this like 2008? We're talking something? about
2: 2008,
0: yes. So mm-hmm. you guys. You're just about to leave to go back to California. You finally make your move. And <laughs> then you guys are a couple. And then it's another six years before... Before
2: I move here, yes. Wow. Yeah. So
0: this was long distance for six years. What did that look like? Were you guys just...
2: <clears throat> I don't think I would do it now. No.
1: <laughs> I'm older. Um, <laughs> but I think... I think we were really just having fun and enjoying each other's company mm-hmm. for at least the first five years. And then when year six kind of came around, it was just like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like, we got to figure this out because this whole bit of only seeing each other once or twice a year is kind of getting old. So so then we were like, okay, well, who would do better where? And so that's kind of like how we came up with the decision for Mireya to move because... It was just like I was at a good spot in my life. I had a good job. Not to say that she didn't either, but she was just starting with hers. And so it was easier for her to make the transition coming to the States than for me to go over there and have to learn two different languages and and then be living there with her. So the move was easier for her to come this way.
0: So now I know what brought you to the U.S., yeah. clearly. It was love, not money. No, not uh, money at all. <laughs> so how was it being, a, you know, a Spanish-speaking predominantly um, immigrant moving to the U.S.? I mean, did that feel...
2: I mean, I think, like, everybody that moves and leaves home, it's, it's hard at the beginning. Um, obviously, you miss your home and your family and your friends. If you do it for, for love. I mean if you do it for need or I don't know, I mean, like different circumstances, right? For for me it was like okay, it's like I cannot have both. So so I chose to move and yeah, at the beginning was an adjustment, even though I've been coming to the United States for eight years and travelling and you know the culture, but it's not the same to come for vacation and for holidays than to live here. Um but but I was also lucky to land in a place that's wide industry, it's what I love and um It was a lot easier to adjust because I had, I was surrounded by wine, by vineyards, by, I was able to help Tara with Kita at the beginning was selling their wines. I was also lucky that uh, my boss from Spain, um, at the beginning, you cannot work for like almost a year when you move Mm -hmm. uh, because you have to wait for your work permit, green card, all that stuff. So I was working for my boss in Spain, like helping him distribute the wines here, um, so at least it was like I'm not just bored sitting at home <laughs> because I know a lot of people feel like that, and I could do something. Still working from a company in Spain, so so it was like it was an adjustment, but it was easier. I think that for, for other people, um, and then like slowly we we always knew we wanted to have our winery together. So obviously, it takes a time to start. Uh, so but yeah. just
0: to be clear. Y- when you moved here, did you have a job at KEDA right away? No. No. Okay. No. So, so that when I moved
2: later. here, I couldn't work, legally work for a, I think almost a year. A year. Because mm-hmm. you, you come, the way I came here was with a K1 visa, which is like a fiancé visa. Mm-hmm. So you have 90 days to get married. And then you get married. And 90 then, day fiancé. 90 <laughs> day fiancé, yes. You get married and then you turn in your papers like, okay, I just got married. Now I want to get my residency and my work permit and that took almost like a year so I wasn't legally able to work in United States but because I was working for the company from Spain I was still able to work uh, which helped and then once I was like legally able to work here I started helping Terra with sales at Kita and then just started building ourselves like shortly after Did you
0: guys... um? come across any, you know, discrimination as a couple together at Keeta? I mean, with the tribe or did anybody kind of push back on that?
1: No, not within the tribe at all, but w- but you know, you see it here and there within the community, but I mean, you always see stuff within the community, so it's not nothing different. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and by community, you mean
1: Sanines Valley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Sanines Valley, correct. Yes. There-
1: where, where we were, it's it's very mm-hmm.
2: It's a little traditional area to call it somehow. I think it's opening up a little bit. Uh, But we didn't really... I mean, you always hear comments here and there, but, um, yeah, I think, like, we're all used to it. So (laughs) you put it in your bag and say, whatever, I don't care about you. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I grew up in Santa Barbara,
0: so that same, you know, Mm -hmm. and we would, you know, go up to San Inez from time to time, and it definitely felt like another world. Like, Santa Barbara was pretty... I mean, I was you know, gay in high school and nobody cared. I went to prom with my girlfriend. Um, and then I went to prom, Sandy Inez prom with my gay boyfriend, friend. Yeah. Uh, and it was totally different. Yeah. You know, like th- there was definitely more conservative, very conservative. white, yeah. Republican, yeah. Uh, where Santa Barbara felt re- very liberal.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: good on you guys for getting through it and hopefully things are changing. I mean... Yeah. We know I think
1: they are. are. They slowly are. Slowly but, but are. surely. Yeah. But it, at least you're starting to see it.
2: We even yeah. have a Santanese Valley Pride Month or week this year. Imagine that. Oh, so. well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Pride. <laughs> it's,
0: it, this is Pride Month, yeah. by the way. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but that's not why I have you guys on. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, every month is Pride yeah. Month around here. Exactly. Uh, so, okay, you're both at Akita, you're getting your K1 visa. So you always have this dream of making wine together. Uh, so, what was that moment when you decided to start Kameen's to dream?
1: Um, well, it was 2017. definitely, yeah, it was t- 2017, a lot of talking back and forth, and it was me kind of really pushing it more so than ever. He's always
2: been the big dreamer, I am, and I've I'm the dreamer. one that pulls down <laughs> your feet in the floor and is like, okay, how do you think we're going to pay for this? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm the financial
1: person. <laughs> and I'm the big dreamer. And, you know, sometimes when you set your mind on something and, and you just put everything you have into it, and that's exactly what we mm-hmm. did, um, you know, and w- with the financial support of our parents as well, who have also helped us um, get started, it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah, living we, through it now. <laughs>
2: 2017, uh, we decided to start making some wine. Um, we did it in another winery, Transcendence Winery, which, uh, they're friends. They help us. They let us use, like, a little bit of the winery for that first vintage. It was only, like, three barrels of three wine. Three barrels of wine. Um, and then... to start somewhere. I That's know. how it started. <laughs> That's how it started. And then, uh, they moved out from the winery where they were, and Tara's like, oh, we're getting the winery. <laughs> I'm just like, uh... We have three barrels. We're not getting a wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a big building. But we with did. Only three barrels. <laughs> yeah, you got to
1: start some, somewhere. Yeah. And this was like a perfect opportunity. Doors opened for us, and it's just like, let's do it. <laughs> I was all for it.
0: So, was that, you know? Scary that moment of, of oh heck yeah it <laughs> it's still was as scary as I mean I it's
1: still it still is I mean it's just like you know <laughs> you you invest so much of yourself into into it but at least now that I know I'm investing into something that I have that I own that I report to just us and and mm-hmm. so that's the difference and uh, yeah I I really look forward to to this next um, for my next chapter. After leaving Kita and moving full time into Kaminza Dreams, so you know this
0: is very very recent and I think very very shocking news for a lot of people. I imagine yourselves included. I don't I don't know how much you knew what was going on. Um, that Kita just closed its doors as a winery. They're still they still own the land and they're still farming the grapes to sell. Uh, were you shocked? Were you a part of this decision? Like, what, what happened?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't really a part of the decision-making process, but I knew that that was the direction that they were headed. They just literally just wanted to get out of the business altogether, um, no longer wanting to be in the wine industry. So, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't a surprise? I mean... Uh, no, I kind of saw the writings on the wall a while back, but I always fought for to keep it going, and, um, you know, because I really believed in it, and, and, um, but unfortunately, um, they just made the business decision to want to leave the industry altogether.
0: The tribe, the board, that place that I'm imagining, where... The politics. There's a lot of politics. (laughs) The politics. (laughs) So interesting. It's like, politics within politics, right? Like, today is a a day that we're dealing with some terrible politics in the United States with the over turning of Roe versus Wade and you know there's that uh, obviously yeah. which I don't, I don't know if we really want to talk about no. but <laughs> you know you live in this kind of subculture this almost this this own world where you have to deal with this whole other set of politics and right. I find that fascinating I mean we don't talk about I don't think Native American tribes in general enough I mean this is such a yeah. huge part of our history I mean it's right. your country, you know. (laughs) Uh, But it seems like it is also like this kind of, you know, very, um, Not I don't want to say small because it's a huge world, but it is a very close, tight Mm -hmm. um, world. And I'm sure that there's different politics from tribes to tribes, especially
1: within the tribe there. We know we have each tribe has their own politics and everything and that is kept more so closed and within the tribe so it's not, you don't really talk about it often um, about your own tribal politics It's so. looked down upon <laughs> Yeah Okay, I won't push you too hard there
0: <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble with the tribe uh, but yes that that's that's uh, yeah, it's, it's a bummer to see, hear that that happened and and I'm sure because both of your livelihoods were tied up in Kita, so mm-hmm. you just started this new project, and but you both were still working at Kita at the time. So mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully you have means to dreams, right? But that had to have been pretty, pretty scary as well. Just all of a sudden not having this yeah. income for both yeah. of you.
1: All of it is, and it still mm-hmm. is. Um, but you know. It just pushes us that much harder, and we work that much harder to do what we are really passionate about. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. We're going to give it our all, <laughs> and that's all you could do. Yeah, I have a good feeling. I think you
0: guys will be <laughs> fine.
1: So now
0: let's let's talk about Camins to Dream. So just from right off the bat, what what does that mean? What does the name mean?
2: So Camins means path. Uh, in Catalan, which is my language, um, from Catalonia in Spain. So it's the path to our dreams. Um, as we say, when Tara and I met, like we were different countries away, so when she would come to visit me, I would take her through all over Europe. I would come here. She would do the same. So we say that it's through all these paths and routes um, that led us to where we are now, uh, to Terra's homeland. My and hometown. Hometown <laughs> and to uh, following our dreams, so it's the path to our dreams. And what is it like
0: working together as a couple? I mean, I know you're roller skating around the winery, so it must be pretty good. <laughs> I'll tell you in a month.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's been no. it's been good for the last years that we've been doing okay. together. It's we work together, but we haven't been like full time working together because obviously she was at Kita full-time and I was the last couple of years full-time at Kameens. And then on weekends, yeah, she would come and help at Kameens or bottling or harvest. But it was not like 24-7. Now that it's going to be 24-7, it's <laughs> going to be an interesting adjustment. <laughs> but I always say that um, I think our strengths are really different and we know that. And we recognize recognize that. And it's going to be I think it's going to be easy to to adjust because um, I like to do some things that she doesn't like or the opposite. So that's that's a good balance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we balance each other. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you does one of you have one wine baby more than the other or is it 100 percent of collaboration all the time?
2: Um, I think, I think it's the wine's a, a collaboration, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. more
1: of a collaboration. I mean, we, we talk a lot about what varieties we want to focus on um, the following year and mm-hmm. and
2: stuff. And so, and we both love the same varieties, so that helps. And style of wine, <laughs> so that's also yeah. helpful. But I'm like, for example, I like more working in the cellar. Mm-hmm. Um, I like more doing like all the barrel work and stuff. There are like, a lot organizing and lab, the lab. and I'm this kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's like okay, that's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the varieties, I think we we kind of like like this thing. We 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 talk it out. Like we always decide. Like okay, let's look at new vineyards. Where can we go? Or what can we choose for this vintage?
1: I think the only sort of discussions that really come up that are pretty relevant <laughs> are, <laughs> are, is when it's time to pick. Um, because okay. Mireya, you know, being, having her European palate, um, wants to pick, always pick earlier than later. And for me, I, I always tend to think of the end product, which is the consumer and what would they want. And so I tend to hold off a little bit longer mm-hmm. or want to hold off a little bit longer on the picks. Until um, we get fully ripening, and um, and so, and she likes the really acid I like driven, acid and bright driven wines, yeah. and and I love it too. Don't get me wrong, but but you got to find some sort of balance.
0: Can you just maybe describe a little bit why picking earlier or later makes a difference at all?
2: Yeah. So so picking earlier, um, you're gonna have obviously a lot more. The, the fruit is gonna be greener, right? right. So. And you're going to have more acid and less alcohol, basically, probably less structure to a um, little bit more of freshness. While picking later, you're going to have a little bit more riper fruit, more full body, uh, more hedonistic wine. Um, so we end, find a
1: balance somewhere in the middle of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and at the end, we end up picking like uh, some lots a little bit earlier, some in the middle, some a little bit later, and then... We go from there and try to, to blend it all together to do something that it's balanced.
0: Balance.
2: Balance. Yeah. balance. That's the key word. You
0: are, you're making your your childhood happen right now. You're <laughs> yeah. in your balance. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like you guys have a very balanced relationship when it comes to wine, at least. I you know, <laughs> I don't know about your home life, but I'm assuming <laughs> that uh, it's pretty balanced as well, but it, it definitely seems like yeah, in the business. It's crazy yeah.
1: because even at home, we're always still like, we try and keep, you know, we, we do keep work life separate, but but it always revolves around wine. I mean, we're even tasting wines at home, and so and then we come into these discussions.
2: And so it's just like, wow, it's
1: like wine is always around us. That's what we
2: <laughs> not only what we work for, but that's what we love to do. So, mm-hmm. it's, yeah,
1: so even so. vacation wise, it, it we went to Spain. We just came back from Spain, but we really focus on a region and kind of immerse ourselves in that so we can learn more about it because we're constantly learning. And so... Um, so this
2: year was Rivera Sacra. We went to Rivera Sacra Mencia. with a bunch of Mencias and oh. Godellos and mm-hmm. a bunch of other varieties, but mostly those two. So,
0: Do yeah. you guys ever see yourself making wine in Spain or is it just California for your future?
2: I would love to make wine in Spain, but yeah. uh, harvest season is the same time of the year than here, so it makes it really difficult. At least one is here and the other one is there. Um, yeah, if it was the southern hemisphere, would be, I would be like yeah. totally like, oh yeah, we're gonna make a harvest here, and a harvest there, but it's difficult. I think maybe later,
1: maybe later on, um, after playing playing the fields here, <laughs> yeah, that maybe we'll we'll um, start focusing more so on Mireia's vineyard that she has there in Spain. Because right now her parents are, are pretty much taking care of it.
2: Right yeah, but it's, it's a super small vineyard. There's 500 vines. So nothing that we can <laughs> make wine to, to sell. But Three barrels. That's, yeah, all, that's, that's all, all it is. It, it, it is to start. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you guys have visited wineries around the world together. Are there some that really kind of stood out to you or inspired you the most?
1: I think this last trip, uh, Rabira Sacra... Really, kind of got me. It it just I'm just was just so amazed in the
2: viticulture side. On the
1: viticulture side of it, well, on the winemaking too. Just um, how hard they. I mean, everything is done by hand out there. They have no tractors. They have no way. And, And even trying to walk on a 30 degree slope like that in itself is even difficult. And so their way of living, their way of life, it's just so different than what we're so used to seeing and so it really made me have such a great respect for them wanting to bring back you know bring back to life old vineyards that were abandoned because the farmers I mean it's just so difficult to even get into the vineyard site itself let alone to to get it to, you know, ripen and everything else and then picking it where they have to do it by boats. And so it's just everything about that was just so, to me, it was overwhelming. It was just like, wow, I can't believe that Mm -hmm. they're taking it all the way back to...
2: I always say that viticulture here in California is a lot easier than anywhere in Europe. It Uh, is. (laughs) It's not only that uh, you're... I mean, besides the fires that we have in California, obviously... But besides that, the climate in California everywhere is like pretty easy compared to what we have. Uh, everything it's like in flat areas, super easy access in, out, wide roads. Like in Europe, everything is like tiny and steep <laughs> and <laughs> rocky. Mm. So, so just to pick the grapes, it's, it's way easier here.
1: Yeah, but I thought of that when we went to Germany as well and Mm -hmm. how we always said that Germany was like one of our favorite places because of that, because of the slopes and everything. But then now Ribera Sacra is right up there as well, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) And that would be an easier transition because you're from Spain. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So... Speaking of viticulture and farming, so I know that was like a big role at Keta that you were doing. And I know that they still own Camphor Vineyards. Are you farming that
1: now still? Or I that, am, no, I, I am not. No, um, I'm completely out of that side of the business. Um, and so now I'm I'm focusing on ours. And, and hopefully one day that's another dream of mine and I'm putting it out there that i would like to have a hillside <laughs> there in uh Santa Rita Hills and um, and have our own have our own little vineyard out there I, that, that is that is all the dreams. Just are put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing it out to the universe right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be close to the final chapter of the, the romance yeah. novel that you guys are creating for yourselves. <laughs> uh, so this is a question for each of you guys separately, whoever wants to answer first. But if there was like an alternative universe, you know, like a multiverse, right? And you weren't a winemaker what would you be?
1: Ooh. <laughs> I would be a marine biologist because that was something I always wanted to do. I love the ocean. I love water. I'm a water baby. And so... And I love the sea life. And I love animals in general. So,
2: so yeah, probably would be a marine biologist. <laughs> I don't have idea because I never have idea of ever anything. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I w- Something related with forensics probably. I love uh, investigation police, like forensic things, like kinda like the medical side, but like True
0: crime. True
2: crime. <laughs> all that. So something related with that.
0: I think you guys would still be together in this alternative universe. <laughs> yeah. I see the marine biologists and the investigator forensic. I yeah. <laughs> did. I love it. Uh, so you know. What's next? I guess is the uh, is the next question. So uh, obviously, this keto transition is very, very fresh, super uh, fresh. Like when? Yeah. What was the <laughs> official end date? Was it like a couple of weeks ago? Oh, or? Yeah, or,
1: June fifth. Jeez, yeah. oh, man.
0: <laughs> and Caymans is growing. I mean, you guys are here. You're talking to us. We're doing an event today. Mm-hmm. You know, the wines are great. You know, you're now with Amy Atwood. I know you're trying to get into more states. So where do you see yourself, like, going in, in, like, kind of full force in the next, like, year or so and then maybe five years from now?
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, we're still making wine um, for other people. So, so that's the other side project that we're, we're doing is, is we're making wine for another tribe. Um, we're overseeing that vineyard and um, making doing a lot of collaborations as well. But... Um, but I would I would actually like to have interns. That would be my next step, is because like I'm already mentoring students um, off on other different levels, and so so I would really love to have um, some sort of create some sort of internship program. But beyond that, it would be our our own. Vineyard,
2: yeah, absolutely. Like hopefully, five year grow <laughs> in a five-year plan. Have like, <clears throat> if we don't plant it, because that's probably uh, you need to have the land and stuff. But uh, maybe lease a vineyard already. That someone, you know, it's kind of like tired of their vineyard. We can lease a vineyard or like lease some property. I don't think we're gonna be able to buy property because um, prices are going insane. But <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at least we can sell uh, lease something and and plant a vineyard and small vineyard to start making some from vineyard to bottle, and then keep uh, buying fruit from other farmers. That's what we're doing now. And, yeah, um, keep mentoring people. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, hopefully we can grow enough that we can have interns, as you say, and um, we can teach people to keep making wine. Well, uh,
0: I would officially like to sign myself up as your first (laughs) intern, because that sounds magical to me. Uh, It would be really special, I'm sure, to learn from both of you two, and you guys both have so much to offer, and it's really wonderful how you have two different perspectives that come together as one, and it really shows in the wines, and I am so happy to be supporting them and, and have been since the beginning. Mm. And uh, I can't wait to see what's what's going forward and to talk again about these other projects that you know that mm-hmm. you're mentoring and, and working and collaborating with. Uh, but it was really wonderful talking to both of you and hearing your stories. Oh,
2: thank yeah, thank you. you. Thank you, thank you for th- having us. Yeah, and thank you for like supporting us from the beginning because I'm pretty sure you were our first account that we ever had. <laughs> so Awesome.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Well, I wear it with a badge of honor. <laughs> Says your new intern. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, ladies, thank you so much.